Welcome to another glowing week of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name is Alon. And my name is Ara. And uh, this is what we do. Chatterboxgameshow.com is the website if you want to learn more about us or send us an email, which uh, you know we'll be going over an email later today in the show. Uh, if you send us email, we could read yours and answer your questions or discuss your topics. All you have to do is tell us. Now, you weren't here last week. This is true. I was indisposed. Yeah. So I want to tell you a little bit about what happened on last week's show. It is, it is extremely rare that we do a show without one another. One, one of us does a show without the other. This is also um, true. Because usually when that happens, one of us owes the other person lunch. Something like that, yeah. But it didn't work out that way this time. Uh, no deal was made. So that's Actually, fine. I don't think we even have that bet anymore since yeah. uh, considering. Well, that was not a, not a bet. Okay, you don't have to call it a bet if you don't, don't we? want to. Did we, have a, did we have an outstanding bet of who was going <laughs> to flake first? Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Not only first, but just any time. Oh. How quickly you forget about these things. Apparently. Damn. Yeah. Don't okay. you remember? Actually, not Remember, at all. like, anyone who comes to the show late is buying the other one a lunch. Oh, well, I mean, this was advanced knowledge of, of absence. Right. So that's a different story. Yeah. Anyway, totally story. I, I noted to the listeners last episode, but a long, long, long time ago, I did a couple shows by myself, totally solo, just hour-long monologue, basically. And those are the ones that you enjoyed the most out the of least. all shows? Those suck. Those suck when you don't get to talk to anybody. Because then it's just like, are you such an egotistical ass that you think people want to hear you talk for 45 minutes? This, is, this is a good quality of you, Alon. Yeah. Because if you did enjoy them then you you'd be that egotistical ass and and you're not it's tough when you don't get feedback from somebody else so i was happy though that i found a way to put together a show so just i don't want to waste this show talking about last show but very briefly i'll explain to you that i went to a showing of indie game the movie which should be available sometime later this year for uh listeners and for yourself to actually download or buy the dvd and watch there's gonna be a special edition and whatever um so that was awesome, and I got to, to meet the filmmakers because they were there touring, you know, they're touring it all over the country, and this was the, the Phoenix version. So I uh, talked to them for a few minutes. That was great. Danny Baranowski, who was technically kind of sort of in the movie, or at least by text, uh, he was there in the audience because he's local. Right on. So that was fun. Um, and then I talked to, to uh, a big fan of ours, Dave, who's making this game Fly Killer, or possibly making the game Fly Killer Elite. Now, bef- before you move on to this, I, I want to spend a minute really quick about this indie game movie. Okay. What was the main thing you took away from it that you maybe didn't know before in terms of like what independent game makers were like or the process of independent game making was like or any of that? Um. If if even there was anything in those categories to take away that you didn't know about. I, I don't know that I walked away with anything very profound, but one thing that I take more or I understand better now is the crunch that happens. Because uh, like yes. everyone knows that crunch occurs in companies, right? Yes. When you're making games for whatever company you work with or anybody's making a game, okay, deadline's coming. I'll be telling you a little bit about that but, when we talk about my trip. But so when when you're an indie dev, not always right because you you have to like submit to festivals or whatever you know if if you're going to. But I just have this picture in my head or this idea in my head that a lot of indie devs make their games and when their games are ready to go or about ready to go, they show the world, they put the final polish on it, and then okay, they release it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it can be very different. You might put out an initial idea, people get excited about it because you kind of let the cat out of the bag too early, and then you're under the gun for four years, which is what happened with Fez. Um, and then there's there's other stuff that can get in the way, like, uh, you know what? I don't want to give away the movie, so I'm not going to talk about all that, but I I found that there are reasons I hadn't considered that put even the indie developer into crunch mode, which, and the problem with crunch mode is that it leads to high stress, right? which yeah. makes for a fantastic movie. That That can be true. That yeah. can be very true. So um, that's that's probably the biggest takeaway. But I shouldn't I shouldn't be so surprised by that. But I was. Pretty much everybody's crunching all the time in video games. Yeah, but it doesn't to make wait. to make good ones that take less than four years to make. But indie games, you just you can do just on your time, and 
eventually release it and see if people like it, right? I'm I'm not saying that that's what's common. I don't really know, but I mean, lots of people just make stuff and then release it into iOS or whatever, and then well, theoretically, you're you're absolutely right. But I, I find it interesting that despite that, at least the two developers that were focused on in this film. Um, neither of them did that, did they? No. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, you could say that Super Meat Boy, which was made after Meat Boy, and I don't think Meat Boy had a big crunch associated with it. Right? That's the the Flash game that Super Meat Boy sort of was born from. Ostensibly. Yeah. Okay, so moving on. After that, I interviewed Dave, a listener of ours, who wants to make an iOS game. He's not uh, currently an app developer, but he has a lot of, you know, experience in art, and uh, he's gonna gonna go make this game. Hopefully, if he can get the Kickstarter fully funded, and so we talked about that and the whole like you know process of Kickstarting and app development in the iOS ecosphere, and you know we try to get people to go over to the website Flight Killer Elite, and apparently there was a big surge of funding right after we put out the show last week. That's good. I think the timing was purely coincidental. I'm not sure anybody who listened to this show was actually involved in uh, in funding it. I'm sure some were, but like there was a big surge in funding. Still, he's short by like at least a grand. I didn't check the numbers today, but he was up to about two thousand, and he's looking for thirty three hundred, which is not a lot. He just needs thirteen hundred more in the next week. So that's not a lot for people that listening to this good. episode. I urge you to go there. Because I just want to see him stress out and make this game in a few months. Because he promised to make it, like, release it in, I don't know, September or something. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. You should give him money just to make him make the game. Well, if there's anything I've learned by uh, going to Walt Disney World since um, the age of eight, it was that uh, Walt, Walt Disney likes deadlines. Because it says so on a plaque that's emblazoned on a wall that's covering a construction area of the park that's closed down. What? Yeah. It says, Walt Disney likes deadlines? Well, it doesn't say it like that. It's it's a quote. They're like, every like 20 paces, there's like a quote from Disney, right? And so I'm paraphrasing. It's not as elegant as I actually read it, but he said something to the effect of like, yeah, deadlines are good because, you know, they help you finish things. Well, that's true. More elegant than that, but you get the gist. Yeah, I don't know that that, I, yeah, I don't know that they're always helpful. <laughs> Maybe they're just too short or something. But It can be a, du- a double-edged sword, yeah. as they say. Oh, one one more thing going back to when we were talking about <clears throat> development in indie game. And I... Yep. Fez? Yep. I totally said it was like made by some guy named like Phil Schill or something. I couldn't remember his Phil name. Phil Fish. Phil Fish, yeah. And not just Phil Fish. Well, he had a programmer guy, too. Um, yeah, he the programmer, I think his last name is Bedard. I don't... Oh, blah, blah, blah. It's some crazy French name. Yeah. No, but he's... He, the other guy is not getting the credit that he deserves. And yeah. so I wish we should, we should find out his whole name and just at least mention it on the next segment just for the sake of it. I will take a look if you remind me. Because everyone, everyone as far as 80% of people who know about Phil Fish know he's the only name associated with the game. And, you know, everybody who, who worked on it yeah, deserves I, credit. We're, we're going to talk about Fez later and, uh, the the programming and the the concept like the high concept yeah. is the most interesting part. I'll sa- I'll save the rest of my discussion, but as will I. But really, it's good that you mention the other guy, the programmer guy, because yeah. he probably had the most outstanding, <laughs> made the most outstanding effort uh, with that. It wouldn't have been anywhere near possible, I guess, if he hadn't found a way to make that happen. So, anyway, we'll talk about that. Um, we also I'm trying to think what else we want to talk about. I need to make sure to discuss how crazy. Xbox licensing is, as you saw me trying to get Fez working. Uh, you know, you've got a lot more guts than I do as far <laughs> as um, doing like anything other than the three most common things on Xbox Live goes. Yeah, I really put it put it through the the ringer in terms of testing. Yeah, licensing and, and, and what purchase, a surprising outcome. Yeah, so we'll go through that. Um, we also want to go over an email from uh, listener Ben, and then I, I'm guessing you have a bunch of stuff. So we got everything you said. Obviously, we we can we're going to try to fit something about Rayman Origins, something more about uh, a couple of the games I've been playing, like Skyrim and Cinemora. Not too long. We'll just Skyrim again. We got. It's, I guess Scott. It has to be said. It just has to be said. 
but we won't dwell on those. And interesting you bring up Kickstarter because we got another story about Kickstarter coming up too. We do? Yes. Oh. I'm ready to put it, a ton of money into Kickstarter for that Pebble thing. Have you seen the Pebble Watch? Uh, yeah, you told me about Did it. Did I already tell you about like it? three hours. Oh, man. I am so putting money down on that. Yeah. I already got two people who are like, yeah, I'll go in with you. No problem because we're going to yeah. get 10 of them. And, and as you said, since I don't have fancy phone, it means nothing to me. That's true. It means absolutely nothing to you. But I don't care because it means something to me. So I just don't like paying money for something that I won't get for many, many months. Yeah. But then, so you'll pay for it, and then you'll have to wait many months. For it's them a lot to of money. It. I mean, I'm not talking about Fly Killer Elite, where you could donate just five dollars to get the game. <laughs> I have a vested interest in this thing, man. I want to see it succeed. Uh, I say vested. I'm not making any money off of it. Don't yeah. get the wrong idea. Uh, but, although, if you, but if you invest, will be vested with the promotion that we've given him. He should give us advertising on that damn game. He's selling advertising in the game to to Kickstarter people. You know that? Yeah. If you like, the highest level involves the highest level of funding involves making the background where the flies fly around, uh, whatever your logo is or something. I suppose that's much better than emblazoning the fly with your logo. Yeah, that I wonder would be if a that's pretty hard to read logo. Do you think that would actually make people not? want to pay for it because like oh well the game's going to be full of all this logoed crap through kickstarter i don't even want to play or would that increase people's interest because it's, it's like it's hard to say all kickstarter ish you know what if it doesn't actually like impede the player's ability to play it i mean they could i don't think they care if they're they're playing on the dole arena or the uh alan's backyard fountain well, arena what if the logo or, he's given is all black and it produces a low contrast between the flies and yeah. the background well then clearly that would be bad yeah all right, well, we're going to go to break. Then we're going to talk about all this stuff that we mentioned, emails and Rayman and Skyrim and Fez. We'll be right back. Chatterboxers. How much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. I want to remind everybody about the University of Advancing Technology. The, uh, the website is uat.edu, so go check them out. You know, another commercial you would have heard just a second ago was a little commercial I put together that is kind of boring, doesn't have a lot of music. I should really do something about that. But it talks about uh, helping us keep the show together. And uh, I just want to thank people who have participated and used the Help Chatterbox website. It's awesome of you. Uh, I'm sure it could do even better, but but it has shown some promise. So thank you to whoever has done that. I just want to say I appreciate it. And uh, keep using it. Helpchatterbox.com is is awesome. Especially if you're buying things that cost many thousands of dollars, by the way. That is a better, even better way. Like two 55-inch TVs, possibly? Like two 55-inch TVs. How much would you net out of something like that? A like $2,000 $2, purchase. How much you get? Well, on high-end electronics, there might be a cap. Yeah. On computers, it caps out at like $25. Only one person has ever bought a computer. I see. Uh, I don't know. Normally, it's like 4%. I mean, that's the general. And okay. it, can go, it can go up from there. Well, moving on. Um, so why don't I tell you and all the listeners about my um, quasi-vacation? Yeah, do that. As it were. And then we'll get to this email. So it was, um, you know, I went to Florida, as you may or may not know. I did know. And um, so a couple... A couple of funny things. Okay, so it wasn't really a vacation. It was for, for work on business. And um, although I ended up going to Disney World, that was the non-business part of it. 
And it's funny that you mentioned Crunch last segment. Did you go to Disney World with friends, with other people? Well, yeah, not by myself. Are you crazy? I can't even decide which would be worse. What, by yourself or with friends? Yeah. With friends is better. I just, How could that be worse? I don't know. You know what? My last, my last memory of Disney was Disneyland, and Disneyland, I'm convinced, is a piece of crap. Yeah. And Disney World is better. Well, it wasn't all that better from my but, from my memories, but I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. So, so incidentally, I, I do. I'm pleased to report that I had um, a new record for crunch in the past week. Meaning, and meaning that's uh, I was work. I worked the uh, 29 hour day by my count. Okay, and we should be clear your your job still is making games. Yeah. You're not telling the story because it has something to do with construction nope. or Make, finance. Nope, making games. Making games. Yeah. Okay. So 29 hours of straight game making. Previously, my last record was in 2004 when I did a 26-hour stint. I'm sorry. So you're telling me you worked more than an entire day all on one project, no sleep. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, huh? Uh, more than crazy, I would say, but sure, let's, let's be polite. So say crazy. So so I'm not saying this right to be macho about it. You know, there's there's this kind of like sense I guess in the gaming industry that like if you're not working constantly then you know, you're not you don't have the chops to do what it takes to get through it, you know. And But I thought doctors, like basically emergency room surgeons were the only people yeah. who worked that much. Um no, we do too and we don't make as much as the doctors do. Um but my my point is with explaining this to to you and everybody listening is that I'm saying this because it's a representation of, you know, how much some of us actually love to do this stuff, right? It's, you have a limited time to do anything, even if there's not like a pressing deadline, you have a very limited time to do. I mean, if you want to go even further, right? Like you have a limited time to make your mark on this world. And so every in that sense, every minute counts. What, was, and your, was your previous record when you were working on Dude's Big Adventure? No, that was on the Red Star, which incidentally was with these same people that I'm working with now. And, and so, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that stuff came back, you know, and so I was really reinvigorated. Right. And, and this is mostly just to show you guys that, like, you know, this kind of thing is really, really invigorating for me. And. You you want to just keep going because it means so much to you and it means so much to also the people you're working with. And you just feed off people's emotions in a really positive way. Now, make no mistake, you can't do this all the time, you know? And that's why my last record was in 2004. Now, I've worked long days since, since then. I've worked long hours since then, right? Not really that extreme. If you do that all the time constantly, I mean, you will burn out. That's I, I know I know stories of people who, you know, this guy this guy who actually he worked for Insomniac, right? And Insomniac he never slept at Insomniac games. How ironic! Um, how ironic, right? In fact, like he got so used to like sleeping like three hours a night that he now he cannot sleep more than three hours a night, no matter what he does. Dude, I have that problem. Except it's not three hours; it's much more normal. Yeah, this is this is very bad. I'm not suggesting that anybody overwork themselves to get to that point. And I'm not suggesting that that amount of work consistently over a period of years is healthy for anybody. But if you do it in spurts, if you're motivated to do it, you know, it's... Dude, when I was in college, I would stay up whole days, no problem. Yeah, this is, this is what I'm talking Ain't about. Ain't no thing. Not, it's not the same anymore, but totally was back then. Um I assume this says something about your your working environment, though, right? The the team that you're working with now is you know preferable, I assume, in many ways than to other teams you've worked with in the past, or perhaps yeah, maybe not you, but other teams that other people have been put in, right? Yeah, it, well, for me, no doubt, like it, it is it is without question. I, I really feel like you know, especially considering the the experience that I've had so far in making games, it really matters who you've got on your team. You know, the best games are really made by the best teams where every person is not only putting their all into it, right? Not only really caring about what the outcome is and really being fully invested into what the final product is, but everyone's really good and everyone's of a similar mind. And those things are really, really rare. So so now I actually, I, I try to focus my career on those kinds of things 
because that's when not only do I think that we get the best products and the best games out of them, but it's also the most enjoyable. And, and this as is, somebody who's actually making it, this is probably more true in a small team than a large team, I assume. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, dude, there's there's all kinds of things that happen in the large team, but I don't want to turn this into a, a big long large team small team discussion. I guess um, the advantages are obvious. Yeah, yeah, we can cover that another day. Um, but the thing I really wanted to talk about was my visit to Disney World. Okay. So here's the funny thing, okay? And I'll be brief about this because this isn't only tangentially related. So the last time I was at Disney World, I was eight years old, okay? Disney World has shrunk considerably <laughs> in the past couple decades. I, I suppose it might. I hadn't it's thought about that. so much smaller. They call it a small world, in fact. I was shocked at how small it was. Was it that you previously were at Epcot Center and you just forgot? No, no. With- I was just three times smaller. Okay. The last time. And so so that really that was really funny. The other thing that was really funny was that, you know, the last time that I had gone there, I never actually sat on a roller coaster until, like, high school. Okay. I had like this really, really deep-seated traumatic fear of roller coasters that all originated from one event when my grandfather forced me to sit on a like a really small roller coaster that was – even though it was really small. It's it was shaped like a dragon. It was kind of dragon-like, but it was also extremely violent for its size. Nice. And, and, th- and it was so upsetting and unpleasant. Because it was like this little dinky thing on this little track. So it would have like these violent swings, right? Dude, that sounds awesome to me. I don't know what you're complaining about. Yeah. So that was so upsetting to me as a child that it took me until high school to muster the energy and, and courage to, to stand up to the roller coaster once more. So do you like roller coasters now? Now I love them. Okay. Now I love them. Now, Makeda, like, look. Like, my wife I'll won't go, go on, near them. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go on the Goliath. Six Flags, like, fastest coaster record, whatever, at the time. You know what I saw recently? I don't remember where I saw this, but apparently there is now a zipline roller coaster. So you know what a zipline is, right? So zipline is a one-person thing. You hold on to the bar, maybe hook in if you need to be super safe, um, and it's just a wire. This is actually, like, a metal rail that is zipline style, and then it, uh, you know, it'll dip, and then it'll go up, and it'll go in curves because it's a solid metal rail. Um, so it'll curl around and, and go like a dip and then bring you back. Anyway, it exists somewhere. If you look up zipline roller coaster, I'm sure you'll find it online. I cannot remember where it is or where uh, I saw well, this. I haven't been on that one, but you know, I, I did, I was able to go on like every roller coaster on at Six Flags in California, which was like, there's like 10 coasters in one park or something ridiculous. Anyway, this is about Space Mountain. Okay. Space Mountain was this historical subject of fear for me, okay? Okay. Because, you know, when I was at Disney World, like Space Mountain, there's the coaster you can't see. That's in the world of tomorrow, right? In Tomorrowland. Tomorrow. And I was afraid of coasters, and everyone talks about it. And then I never got, I had never gone on it until last week. Okay. Okay. So much like when somebody has post-traumatic stress disorder, right? When there's a trigger that they're, of something they're highly fearful of, that can last for decades. But you love roller coasters now. But I love roller coasters. So here's the quandary, right? I'm like Space Mountain. And then all I can remember is the fear of Space Mountain, right? And then I'm like, but wait a minute. I like coasters now, so I'm going to go ride it. And then I rode it. Okay. And I was like... Man, this is some Mickey Mouse roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I I bet it was pretty boring. All I remember about Disney World is when I was there and I was, you know, eight. And I don't know if that's true, but somewhere around the age of eight. And uh, we were on probably the Pirates of the Caribbean. And my brother, who I always looked up to, you know, stronger, smarter, wittier, whatever, four years older than me at the time yeah. and always, uh, he, like, shouted like a little girl at some point. And for all I know, he was making fun of it. I thought he was being sincere. And I was like, I went to that ride. I didn't even make a face. No problem. I didn't flinch. So I always thought I was, I was uh, more super awesome than he was. Yeah. But uh, that's pretty much all I remember. 
about uh, Disney World. Yeah. So anyway, time for us to go. That's the story. Sort of. We'll be right back. So, you know, I'm jealous now because I haven't been on roller coasters in years. Oh, because I thought you were going to say you were jealous because you haven't worked 29 hours in years. Oh, definitely not. No. Today I actually had a long day at work and that pissed me off. Um, but I, you know, like, like you, I sort of enjoyed what I was doing, but it was not as fun. I was just staring at numbers, but yeah. that really, that gets me going, <laughs> staring at numbers and spreadsheets. So that was fantastic. Anyway, uh, moving on back to video games. You know what's not fantastic? What? The uncanny ability for Skyrim to have more and more problems the more they patch it. I knew that there was a, a patch uh, while you were away. It's 1.5. Yep. 15. So that was a big one. I mean, they... And there's Connect I mean, support now. Who knows? Who knows? Okay. Okay. So this is... I'm not going to dwell on this, but this needs to be said. Okay? Um, I continue to be incensed at the fact that the industry has awarded this game its highest award, basically or one of its highest awards, and that it is basically a game that will eventually break the longer you play it. And, yeah. And this, and, and it is, right? So my latest experience after patching the 1.5, after getting that patch, right? So within an hour, um, my character can't move. <laughs> like, just can't move, no matter what. I just does went through get, a door. Does it get... Progressively slower, no, or no, 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 no. more wonky. No, just... like like the animations work. It's just my character's frozen in, in place. You know, so thankfully I had, um, I was smart enough like not to save at that point because if I had, then I don't know. I guess are I there multiple gotten... save spots? There's multiple save spots. So thankfully I had one that I could go back to, and it wasn't like a permanent thing. No, but you should should have tried also saving in a different slot. At that point, and then see if when yeah. you replay it, if it allows you to walk. Yeah, in. not worth it. This this thing I've learned over time that you don't you don't want to taunt these things. So okay. anyway, like I found a workaround, but it's it just continues to incense me how broken this game is. But that was only one time. It. Has it happened again? That was that was one time of that problem, and I'm not even going to get like I said. I'm going to be I was going to be brief, so I'm not even going to get to the myriad of other amazing, incredible things that are bad that it does. In ways that it's broken. But apparently, its goodness uh, wins. Well, you're, sti- you're still playing it with all the bugs. And and so, if you called me an idiot for doing that, you'd probably be right. I, uh, people love this game, man. I mean, I don't... I haven't tried it, yeah. so I don't really so, get so it now, yet. So now we must ask ourselves, right? Do we dispense awards for the idea of a game, conceptually? Or do we dispense them for the game as it is in reality? And the question, the answer to that question, unfortunately, I think is the former. You think so? It does, so it doesn't matter how badly they implemented it as long as they not, had a good idea? Not how badly they implemented it, how badly broken it is, as long as there's just enough that's not broken in the beginning. Certainly, I think they, people tend to rate games on assuming there's no bugs in it. This is what, this is what right? I'm getting at. And so if it had really bad control when it worked properly, it wouldn't get a good rating. But sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that's okay. Enough of Skyrim. It'd be funny though if GamePro or whatever started rating, uh, gave a number on bugginess. That I think um, sounds like a pretty decent idea. Where would you put that? That was like brings the score down to to you know Fez. two two scores: normalness score and bugginess score. I told you that Fez got a perfect score from, I think, Eurogamer or something. Yeah, and that was also the moment where I mentioned to you that uh, this is very good information because now you know that the reviewer has absolutely new credibility when they give a score like that. Yeah, it's not really fair to give something a perfect score. But anyway, you had had one of the... Anyway, okay, so so I got to mention a couple things real quickly about Sinomura. You know, the game a couple weeks ago, I couldn't stop. I don't know, what's the word? 
playing? Just voicing exaltations over? You were drooling on it. Yeah. I was doing a lot of drooling. I was afraid of this. I had a feeling it was going to happen. I'm going to eat a few words now. Okay? Love this. So, first of all, it's still still five-year game. Still best shooter that has come out since Gradius Five, in my opinion. I okay? sent an email to the PR guys letting them know how much you loved it. However, now that I've had some time for it to sink in... I really feel like this game was made by uh, someone who is a genius and somebody who is a moron. A partnership. Perhaps. A genius partnership. Perhaps. <laughs> because the moronic things are so moronic in contrast to the genius things that this must be at least two people. I mean, uh, clearly the game has been made by much more than two people, but I'm just talking about the source of the genius and the moronisms. Okay, so real real quickly, I'm just going to break them down, right? Like graphics obscuring stuff in the game, right? Um, Did like things happen? things in front happened. of you, it happens in critical places. Um, completely moronic. Why do they do that? Nobody knows. Does it look good? No, it doesn't look good. Um, they have this. All the power ups I found out were random, random distribution, completely moronic decision. What this basically means is that like your potential score for any given game session changes based on a random value. Not good. Um, the, I've, I've mentioned this last time, you know, those, those fuck you moments. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's no excuse. Now I was a little nicer last time. Now it's like, there's no excuse for that. Why would you want to do, why would you want to put in something that's purely trial and error? It makes no sense. Okay. I'm done. We can continue now. That's it. Let's talk about Fez. Well, first, I think we should read that email. <clears throat> That's a good idea. We should totally do that. Yeah. Then we can go into Fez. Okay. So so now I have to preface this, okay? Because we, we pride ourselves here on Chatterbox on giving topics precisely the amount of discussion and thought that they deserve. Exactly. People write us and we try to read as many emails as we can get to that we think are, are good. Uh, and that deserve a little bit of attention. That's right. So in light of giving topics the time, the exact amount of time they deserve, let us now discuss this email. All right. So Ben wrote to us. So thank you, Ben. Um, <clears throat> he had several questions. I'm not going to read it. It's a long email. I'm not going to read it at all. I'll get right to the meat of it. Um, these are pretty much directed at, at Ara. So I will play the part of Ben um, interviewing Ara. Do, uh, do video games have to be fun in order to be great? No. Can a video game be so narrative-centric that the gameplay is second note and still be a viable gaming experience? Yes. Are video games art? Some, yes. If so, do you feel that video games will ever reach the level of motion pictures or any other mainstream or socially accepted art form? Yes. Okay, well, since they can, uh, would it work if gameplay is sacrificed for the sake of expressing a compelling narrative? No, wait, yes. Will video games always be stuck with the same social stigma that comic books seem to be stuck in for children and nerds only? No. Okay, so Fez. All right, moving on. Um, the programmer, Renaud Bedard. Renaud Bedard. We thank you, Renaud Bedard, for your hard work on Fez. You deserve to be recognized equally with Phil Fish. Yes, they have, they have funny names, those French Canadians. Renaud, Renaud Bedard is a great combination of names. Um, yeah. He was seen briefly in Indie Game, the movie. He was not completely omitted. Probably because he was too busy programming. Yeah. There was actually somebody else involved in in, in it originally, although uh, I don't know if he was actually involved in the game or if he was just part of the company that started with the game, but uh-huh. but that story is, is touched on a little bit in the movie as well. So anyway, this game, I I said to you, hey, do you want to play this a little bit? before before next week's show and so we only have a couple minutes left in this segment so i'm going to go over just the process of trying to play this yeah game, let's do that which has nothing to do with this game i can't <laughs> i can't blame it on fez we can blame it on microsoft can't much. we it's all microsoft um we've seen these things before i don't know if anyone's tried to play an xbox live game before i imagine many of you have um it can be really easy sometimes and it can be super duper annoying Usually when I buy a game, I know I'm going to buy it. So I go right to the marketplace, I buy it, it downloads, and I play it. 
no problem. And I say usually, but this is a sample size of about two games. I think I bought Braid and Trine 2, and that was pretty much it. So we're pretty rest assured it'll happen every time. Yeah. I mean, in the past, I've also redeemed a couple codes for free games. But um, for the most part, it's, uh, it's pretty simple, even though I have a low sample. Now, this time I thought, I'm going to go to Ara's. I haven't actually bought the game yet. I'll just go buy it at his house. And I forgot, oh, it locks into serial number, console ID, whatever. I should have bought it at my house. But, well, I've got a memory stick with my, my account on it. I so, think you were planning this all along. Well, I kind of want to see what would happen. But yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. forgot the, implica- implement- or the implications of doing so, at which point I was like, no, I should have done it on my own, com- my own Xbox. But then I was like, okay, fine, let's do this. I'll put it on the memory stick, and I will unlock it. So, And this is, at this point, I'm just giggling to myself because yeah. I can imagine no good end to this process of steps. Yeah. So anyway, we're playing the game off the memory stick, and I click the unlock full game option, and it takes you out of the game into the marketplace. And the process of unlocking, there is no... It's funny because even in the menu system of these games, it says unlock full game, but there is no unlock function. That doesn't exist. In Microsoft parlance... In, in the menu system, actually purchasing a game, it is not unlocking, it is downloading. So in order for me to unlock it, I had to download. And with download comes a purchase price. Okay, so I buy the points and I, I do the download. But I'm like, oh, I already have it. So now that it's locked in the fact that I have downloaded it, then my username, Chatterbox Alon, can go into my memory stick and play it because it'll know that I'm a I'm a legal, you know, right. full version player of this game. Now, how many times we did, like downloaded it? Like three times or four times? It was, it was several times. Point is, I had to actually do the download. So instead of going through waiting for it to download, even though it's a small game, I moved it from the memory stick to your hard drive. All right. So great. Now it's on your hard drive. I said, okay, it doesn't want to work out the memory card. I will play it. Great. So I turn on the game from the hard drive. I'm logged in. My user, not yours. Unlocked full game. Still there, which means you don't have the full version. Damn it. Okay. We're so glad that it was only like around 200 megs. Yeah. Which is tiny these days. No, but since it was on the hard drive, then what I did, was like, okay, great. I will, I will go through the marketplace and I will buy it again, except I know that buying it again, it'll tell me, hey, you already downloaded this. Do you want to try to download it again? I didn't have to pay for it again. That was no problem. If I did, that would have been a much bigger set of angry that you'd be hearing right now. But... um. Download again, and download again, if it's on the hard drive, means unlock. That's what it means, because it didn't actually download the data to your hard drive. It's, it started the download process. It thought to itself, oh, I'm already there. Ding! Downloaded. But it never said game is now unlocked and playable. It simply said, okay, it's been downloaded, now you can play it. And then I played it, and it was the full version. That's how it works. We'll be right back. Are you going to find a master of science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. And we're back once again for the final segment this week of Chatterbox Video Game Radio. I'm going to remind you again about UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. Don't forget to go there. Support us. Support them. Thank you very much. Now, it's just the point I was trying to make real real quick. 
I don't like that the menu for Xbox Live games uh, within the games say unlock when in the actual Xbox Live area outside of the game it says download. And what Microsoft doing is doing here is introducing hurdles to like barriers to entry. Remember that games. part when we were playing uh, like the demo or the game and we thought we were quitting and we really weren't? Oh yeah, well there's that too, yeah. So there's, they they they've got a little bit of a terminology problem with their standards, which is really interesting because while I was working on an XBLA game last year, um, I attempted to bring this to their attention with uh, with few fruits. Yeah. So. so so what he's talking about here, kids, <laughs> is that uh, so when you're playing a demo of an Xbox Live game, you don't have the actual game, and you you choose within the menu exit uh, return to game library is what what the menu says. Uh, that is to take you away from the Xbox Live game and take you back to you know the Xbox operating system dashboard stuff. Um, if you have the demo and not the real game, it gives you a final what I'll call an attract screen where it probably says, oh, 50 levels of this awesome game and multiplayer action, blah, blah, blah. Like it's the sell screen. Um, whereas if you had the whole game, it would just go to the game library. But since you don't, it has this last sell screen. And then before you actually exit to the game library, it's not timed. You have to press a button in order to actually go back. So you're thinking, I want to leave the game. I'm going back to the game library. So it gives you the option A, after you've done this, you've said go back uh, or return to game library. Option A is continue. Right. Option B is back. Right. And then there's some other button for something else. Yeah. Um, so, But B, back, actually means go back to the game where you just came from. And A, continue right. to mean, go to the game Continue library. means quit, in other yeah, words. Yeah, continue means quit. So that's great. That it's makes the, lots of sense. It's the yes, I'm certain that I want to quit option, yeah, so. um, which has confused users for a very long time. And continues. Yeah. And will continue. Now, about the actual game itself. Yeah, let's discuss this. It has been lauded a lot. People are loving this it's game. It's so lauded that lauded is like, I feel, too weak of a word. People are loving this thing. They now, are loving it. I had, after seeing Indie Game, the movie... Yeah. Are you loving it? I was, well, I was very excited about it. I also, I didn't mention, I went back to play... Uh, Super Meat Boy last week as well after yeah. watching Indie Game the movie yeah. and I am more after having played it and seeing that movie I like it a lot more than what I played in the past which but was not, really only but the not demo. loving yet like it's, it. it's really hard and it seems like the whole game is just things that are really hard yeah which seems like one gimmick that you have to do too many times yeah but it does I could definitely go back and play some more of it yeah. I'm not alright I'm not dogging on it too much but Fez on the other hand, I thought, this is totally up my alley. It's just weird shit. I am going to like it. Yeah. And it turns out, in my opinion, that it is. it has an interesting mechanic. This, I guess, for people who don't know what it is. Um, the game is 2D. It's totally 2D, but it's also totally 3D. So you can rotate the world. Uh, so, you know, you rotate it 90 degrees... And then you're looking at the, let's say you're at a, you're standing in front of a house. You rotate it. Now you're looking at the side of the house, right? But you're only interacting with that 2D plane. Um, and then you can rotate it again, and suddenly you're interacting with the next 2D plane. And that in and of itself isn't that crazy until that starts having an effect on how you interact with the world. For instance, you know, if you rotate... Uh, part of a lot there are times when you can rotate just like a piece of something instead of the whole world so um let's say you rotate something such that a ladder comes uh, is facing the screen now right and there was already a ladder above that but those two ladders don't really connect in 3d space well since you're looking at it in 2d space you've got ladder at say height a and ladder at height b even though they don't connect in when you're looking at it two-dimensionally flat it looks like they connect and therefore they do connect which is actually right. when when the two D projection is connected, then for for your gameplay purposes, it, is. it is connected. Which is the same way that Echo Chrome works, and I had never thought until just Ooh. now to connect it to Echo Chrome, but it is totally that way. Yeah, but the, what the you crazy, see is what you get, yeah, rather but, than what exists. Is yeah, what but you, you get. know what the problem with Echo Chrome was that now I was while we were playing, you heard me voice like some ah that doesn't sound right. Oh, they're they're violating their own their own their own grammar. They're saying, you know, I was. I was pretty harsh on it while we were playing. Having said that, right, 
and ha- having also thought about it and looked at how they handle different situations a lot more. And Echo Chrome, it was jacked up because the projections were arbitrary. In this game, they actually have a pretty good, self-consistent set of rules about how they deal with the projections collapsing on each other. And I actually, I would say it's even better than pretty good. Like, it's probably the best implementation of mapping something that's actually in three three dimensions onto a 2D projection in, with a consistent set of rules. They they're, they they did their homework on that. They they did it pretty nicely. It does it, So they did a good job there for sure. Yeah. So so my concern is that's pretty much all you get the whole game and then it's pretty simple platforming and you know uh Well well consider it this way, right? Like the whole I mean we played through probably about like a third of the game together, right? Here's what's troubling. We finished it yeah. We finished playing, I mean, at somewhere in the 46-ish percent range. Right. Except then you look at the leaderboard, and yeah. the leaderboard has someone with 300%. Right. So, like, did we finish about 46%, or did we finish one-sixth of the game? I, right. don't, I so, don't know. So, anyway, I'm just going to say it was a substantial portion of the game. Yeah, we played for, for a couple hours. For whatever probably. it was. And to me, this game, I would characterize this game as fundamentally a puzzle game. But the problem to to me is, I love puzzle games. You don't. But... Yeah. There weren't that many puzzles. There were some, but not that many. For the most part, it was just collecting stuff. Right, but that's that to me is also the puzzle there because there were there were very few situations, and in fact, I would say almost no situations that actually required action with special timing or like a. a let me actually scratch that. Right, I'll, I'll, this is a better way to explain it. There were very very few, almost no situations that required a demonstration of performance on the player's part, right? Like, Street Fighter is a performance game. You have to perform the whole time. In this game, if you make a mistake, you just have to do that part over again. And so, in a lot of ways, it's, it's, not, a, it's not really an action game as much as it is a, a puzzle game where you're trying to, right, you sit and you think and you figure out what to do next. And yeah, that's but a there lot is, more there's so little thinking. It's a lot of just, well, I'm going to go... Well, here, here's the funny part, right? Because, because of... And this is the most interesting thing and also flaw about the game is that it's so elegant the way that they fold the various permutations of things to try in order to figure out a way to get somewhere, for example, right? That, the way that they're all folded on top of each other in this elegant space is really cool and it's very elegant. I'm saying the word elegant a lot because that's how elegant it is. But at the same time, because it's so easy to like cycle through all those permutations, the the character of the game, like its 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 very essence, almost discourages thinking. Because really, and, and really, I mean, like there's probably no other way to do it. So it's not really necessarily a failure on their part. It's just intrinsic to the format. You just end up with like you have a list of permutations to try, and you just end up trying all of them. Until you get everything you need to get. You're talking get. about that spinning box part. It's not just that spinning box. It's like, oh, I need to get to this platform here. Okay, I'll try turning right. Nope, that doesn't work. Okay, I'll try turning left. Okay, that works. Yeah. Right? Well, there were, there were some just, times. It, it just gets like further elaborations on that same theme. But I always felt like we were constantly just doing that. This doesn't work. Okay, try this. This doesn't work. Okay, try this. this like, it's not like, oh, let me try. Let me think about it to... You know, because I'm going to get penalized if I don't think of the right one. It was just let's just go down the list and try all these things until we get to the right one. Yeah, and and that's pretty much true. There are some genuine puzzles, and there's I have a feeling there's going to be more as I continue to play. But we played, like you said, a significant portion, and a lot of it was basically just you know hunting and gathering of those little cube things. Yeah. And so love the idea, and the presentation is fantastic, and the character is cute. And all I, ha- that. I have to say, the the concept of the game is incredibly appealing to me. You know, it's the whole idea of two-dimensional things and three-dimensional things, and I don't know if anyone noticed, but that little s- tutorial sprite helper cube thing is actually a four-dimensional hypercube. And so this Ara whole, went on and on about this hypercube thing, and I, my brain can't be wrapped around it. four dimensions. Yeah, I can't. Love hypercubes. It. So I was really thrilled to see that. And conceptually, it's extremely attractive to me. I really want to know what happens at the end. I just don't really feel inclined to go through it all to see it. Can I? You had a prediction for what happens in the end. 
my prediction is that there's going to be some there's going to be some implementation of some kind of 3D projection of a 4D thing that will probably blow your mind, and maybe that's one of the things that's that's my prediction. Yeah. Because the entity is a 4D entity, right? And, and so I tried to explain the, the to rainbow you, cubey thing. the rainbow cubey thing. Yeah, and I tried to explain to you, Alon, that like you know this character's exploration in the 3D space is exactly analogous to us as three dimensional beings thinking about or knowing about or perceiving a four-dimensional being, which mathematically, it perfectly makes sense. There can be four dimensions of space. So you say, except I can't understand it. Hell, I mean, string theorists say there's 13 or 27. So, you know, roll that up and smoke it. Okay. Yeah, so I guess what I'm saying and what Ara seems to be agreeing to is that Fez is not all that. It is. It has a whole lot of cool things going for it, but in terms of actual interesting game you know what it is like for me i'll put it in a nutshell for me my personal take is it's like one of those pieces of music where you listen to and you're like wow this is really artfully skillfully put together but i'd never want to listen to it for fun (laughs) i guess that makes sense it is you know it's worth 10 bucks to see and to play it's not a it's not a 60 dollar game nobody's paying that much they're just paying 10 bucks and that's cool, but I do wish that there was a little bit more to it in terms of like goal and and gameplay. But it certainly was a, a valiant effort, and that's what I was saying. Though, like the most interesting part is sort of how they made it happen, which is why uh, Renault Bedard should get so much credit, like you said, because um, he did a lot of difficult work there. Because yeah. I guess once you have that down, building the levels and stuff, uh, maybe not that big a deal, but. Phil had to be the mastermind behind it and just get someone to figure out how to program it. It's possible. He's just the idea man. Well, who knows? Anyway, we are at the end of our idea show, so we will say goodbye. We'll be back next week. Don't forget to email us. Go to chatterboxgameshow.com to find those addresses, and we will be back in a week. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.